You're listening to the RE Social Podcast with your hosts, Andrew and Vince from Envy Invest. For more information, go to envyinvest.com. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of RE Social. Today, we have Matt Sorensen. You know, he is, if you don't know or haven't seen YouTube in the last five years, you know, shame on you because he's uh, the co-host of Main Street Business. You You guys call it Main Street Business now, right? Yeah, Main Street Business Podcast. It used to be Refresh Your Wealth Podcast. Mm-hmm. I remember that. So, uh, Matt, also, you're also partners with Mark with the KKOS Lawyers. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. We have our law firm, KKOS Lawyers, offices in four states, represent clients with tax and business stuff across the U.S. Yeah, full disclosure, uh, Drew and I are uh, clients of uh, Matt's company. So, you know, we are very biased. I couldn't disclose that. That's attorney-client privilege. So I couldn't disclose <laughs> that. So it's been the two did, you know, uh, your secrets, I'm not telling. So. Oh, wow. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> Matt, for, so p- people who don't know who you are, do you want to give a, like a 90-second intro? Yeah, I mean, I'm just a really cool guy, pretty much. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I'm a, you know, I'm an attorney, tax lawyer by trade. I'm a real estate investor. Uh, I invest in a lot of other things, uh, but business owner, entrepreneur. Um, have my trust company, um, directed IRA, directed trust company, where we help clients use their IRA and 401k money to invest in alternative assets. Real estate being the most popular alternative asset people will invest in. And so we've got a hundred plus employees and have grown fast in that business. And, um, in addition to our law firm and some of our other enterprises, but, uh, that's me. I'm just kind of an entrepreneur, investor, tax lawyer. I don't know. That's, that's the Matt Sorensen. That's the, that's the Reader's like, Digest version. Sounds <laughs> like you're just a go-getter. Yeah, I am. You <laughs> could say that. I like to go and get. <laughs> You know, uh, man, in this show, you know, we like to, we like, uh, you know, Mark and you guys, you always go after the, like the main street, middle-class America. So that's like, kind of yeah. like what we want. So I want to get right to the, some of the meat of the things, right? So a lot of people who start with, uh, you know, we want to get into real estate, you know, they always say, you know, we don't have a lot of money. That's the most common thing. And then you find out that's like $30 trillion or something sitting in like uh, hedge key locks and freaking mm-hmm. IRS. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like how you can access some of the retirement funds to actually use in real estate? Yeah. I mean, this is like the biggest untapped area of wealth in America is IRAs and 401ks. There's $35 trillion in them. Like there's more money in IRAs and 401ks than anywhere else. And it's everyday Americans that have little slices of that, of that 35 trillion. And the, the problem has been is everybody's just been, sold this idea by wall street um, to their credit that all you can use your IRA or 401k is to invest in wall street and they're good at their jobs and then their marketing to make you think you can just buy stocks etfs and stuff that they sell but your IRA and 401k ever since they were created back in the 70s they've always been able to own real estate or small businesses or private companies. I mean, these are assets you've always been able to own. And so we go out and teach people how you can actually invest in something you care about. So if you're like, well, I'm a real estate person, I believe in real estate, you know, you might have 20 grand in your savings account that we run our class guys, but they got a half a million in a 401k or 200 grand or 50 grand in an IRA and another 50 grand in their spouse's IRA. And it's like these pots of money um, is actually what most Americans have available to invest and it and real estate is an option. Like you can use this money to buy real estate. I feel like most Americans don't know that. I definitely didn't before yeah. I became a real estate investor. I was like, wait, what? This doesn't make any sense. Self-directed what? I know. I know. I didn't either. I mean, I was, I was a tax and business lawyer, you know, and this was way back in 2006. I'm like, nobody talked about it in law school. I took all the tax classes 
Um, I worked for a financial services company through law school. Never heard about it until I had a client say, I want to use my Roth IRA to buy real estate. And I was like, what? So, um, and then, you know, my partner, Mark, who's an attorney and CPA, we are, we're law firm partners and many other businesses, but um, he'd done it a little bit and he, he kind of knew like the basics on it. And so I was like, man, this is like the coolest thing ever. Cause not only is it a place where people have a lot of money, but a lot of our smart clients will use Roth accounts in particular to make money tax-free in real estate. And see, so, there, there's so many like benefits to this concept and I don't want to get everybody confused, but like, yeah, there's one cool thing about it that it is like, there's 35 trillion of it. And for many people, it's like, oh my gosh, I do have money to invest in real estate. Also, if you're someone that raised capital, like this is where everyone else's money's at. So if, you are, if you're out raising capital for deals, knowing that the investor you're talking to they could maybe do a private money loan to you, secure it on your real estate deal. Maybe you have a syndication and a fund. Their IRA or 401k can invest in your fund. I mean, this knowledge and this strategy of this is huge, not just for people with their own accounts, but for people raising capital for real estate deals to tap into other people's accounts. Plus, you got the tax-free benefits for those using Roth accounts for sophisticated investors. Um, there's just so many like cool facets of it, but what we're doing every day. And I, you know, I wrote a book on this and everything is just trying to teach people how to do it. You know, what are your options? How can you structure this? What's possible? We do events on this. I mean, we're just, we're just trying to spread the good word and get all the content out there because no one's told you this. Right. And like wall street's not mm -hmm. telling you if you have a financial advisor, they're not talking about it because they don't make any money when you do this. Yep. Yeah. So Matt, so I'm going to break down some of the things so people can actually like do some, you know, like this is so much information people won't be able to use it. So let's go after one after the other. Right. Yeah. So let's talk 401k. I know in the 401k is active. You can't just take it out most of the time and just sell it and buy real estate. That's not going to be possible. I know you can take up to $50,000 or half of what you have, which will be, whichever is the lesser you can do that. Right. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? So now yes. we'll go for it. What I was going to say, so 401k is just think of, if you still work there, yeah. generally you're restricted from moving the money. Like if you're 401k, you're, you know, you work at Dunder Mifflin and you got the Dunder Mifflin 401k and they use Vanguard, right? Yeah. Like they make you stay there until you hit 59 and a half or until you quit. Once it's an old employer 401k, you can move the money to a self-directed IRA or once you hit retirement plan age of 59 and a half, you can move the money too. So, you know, there's options to move it. Uh, but the 401ks can, you're like, oh, I'm 40. I work here. I got 200 grand saved. It's possible your plan is going to lock it down and make you keep your money with whoever they've selected until you retire. Or, sorry, you hit retirement plan age or you quit. Yeah. So I'm going to tie something uh, which I talked to you about at the RPM event with uh, Amy Majuri. Shout out to Amy. Yeah. And I asked you a question about self-directing IRA. So I found out my sister had 55,000 just sitting in a 401k. She quit like 10 years ago. So I talked to you and then I called up your office because I know everybody there and bug them every day. So <laughs> I, so she had 55 K. So see, we, we opened up a director IRA.com and then we opened up an account there. It's like 300 bucks or something for the whole year. Yeah. And then we put 55 K in there. And then I wrote a note to my sister saying that, Hey, it's going to be, I don't know, 5% interest over 10 years, you know, paid yearly or something. And then she was able to lend. $55,000 to our LLC. And then we use that all of the money and then we just bought some property, you know, but she just yep. holds a note. So can you explain, is that accurate? Is that something yeah. I missed? Yeah. I mean, that's the process. Someone that has like an old employer 401k, or maybe they've got an IRA with a broker dealer. 
um, you know, they're TD Ameritrade or Charles Schwab. Like if they call them up and they're like, they call up Charles Schwab and they're like, oh, I want to use my IRA to lend money to my friend or my brother's LLC to go buy do a real estate deal. They're going to be like, you can't do that. And it's not because IRAs can't do it. It's because Schwab IRAs can't do it. So that first step you mentioned is she had to move her money to a place that lets you self-direct. And that's what our company directed IRA does. It's directedira.com. You can learn more about us and all that process. We have tons of content. So step one is you got to move the money um, over. So you open up an account, do a transfer request. We'll go chase the money down and get it moved over. Then you have an account with us. You're like, all right, how do you want to invest it? Well, she already knew. She's like, well, I'm going to lend it. So, and you can do that. So you can do secured or unsecured loans out of your retirement account. Um, but you know, I, I lend out, you know, and you can get pretty good rates. I lend on, uh, to other real estate investors and try to get, and get, definitely get it secured. So, um, but she could have bought property. She could invest in a syndication on real estate. You know, she could have bought a rental. She could have, you know, whatever she wanted to do. I mean, these are assets you could all own with an IRA. Uh, so that, that's the exact process. Open the account, move the money over, go invest it. Yeah, that's cool. So, you know, so, um, so that's the, uh, self-directing old 401ks for anybody who's following. Now, let's say, uh, my brother-in-law, he's got like 700 K in his 401k, but he's only 50 years old. So after yeah. he hits 59 and a half, can we pull it out or still is active? He can't. Yeah. If he's still working there, but he's 59 and a half, he can move the money out. And actually some plans allow that at age 55. Mm -hmm. It just depends on where the plan defined retirement age for rollovers. They're called now there's another thing. So for someone, this is just a little caveat to the original rule. If someone has a large account, like 700 grand in a 401k and they're 50, I always will check to see if the plan allows for an in-service rollover. And basically that's a rollover that can happen even while they're still employed and even before they hit retirement plan age. So it's not required that plans offer it, but many plans actually do. And I've done it a lot with clients over the years. So they want to ask for an in-service rollover. Now, what the plans can allow an in-service rollover for vested employer contributions. It's really weird. A lot of people think, well, if I have a 401k with an employer, maybe they'll let me pull out my employee contributions, the money I put in, but the employer contributions that the company put in, that would make sense. They are going to lock that down until I leave. No, it's actually the opposite. It's, it's vested employer contributions that they let you roll out early. So not every plan allows for, I've seen reports that say 30 to 40% of 401k plans allow for this. So it's plan specific, but it is worth chasing down for someone with a large account that wants to get some money out. And the in-service rollover, if you roll it to an IRA, it's not taxable. So obviously if you roll it out and take a distribution, it's taxed, but you can do an in-service rollover. And if it goes to an IRA, it's not taxable, no penalty. Well, wow, that's interesting. Even though it's not a 401k defined plan, you can still be no tax, no 10%. Well, if it is, I'm just saying, no, like, like you said, so if your brother-in-law, for example, yeah. it's got a 700,000 401k, yeah. 50, yeah. He, could, he could possibly, if his plan allows it, do an in-service rollover to an IRA. Wow. Where okay. Now that's he can self-direct. So he's not yeah. locked down into that, you know, mutual fund ETF lineup he's got. Yeah. That's what well, he's, yeah. And then like for Drew's dad, who's, you know, uh, 60 years old, so he could just move the money over to directedira.com if he wants to, all of it. Yeah. Whenever he wants. Yeah. He's over 59 and a half, whether it was. And so for 401ks, that's the only issue is like your age. 
Okay. Um, but uh, for easy. someone that's in an IRA, so actually I, there's more money already in IRAs than mm -hmm. is in 401ks. Used okay. to be 401ks had all the money. There's already more money in IRAs now because people have left jobs and they have ended up rolling to IRAs. So and if someone has an IRA right now, they're golden. They can always move. You know, they've got a SEP IRA at Charles Schwab. They got a Roth IRA at Fidelity. You know, they just move that SEP IRA from Schwab to a SEP IRA at Directed IRA. They've got that Roth IRA at Fidelity. You can move it to a Roth IRA at Directed IRA. And you can move the whole thing or a partial amount, no tax, no penalty. So IRAs can always move. No matter your work, your age, doesn't matter. Zero tax. It's just a 401ks we've been talking about where it's a current employer. You can kind of get locked up if it's a current employer, you're not retirement plan age. Unless you try that in-service rollover, that was a little tip on that. But but that's this like transfer rollover process and we handle that at Directed. So when someone opens up an account here, we go through that process with you and we actually handle the transfer request to get your money over from wherever it's at before. Yeah, that's pretty that's pretty helpful. So that was the 401k stuff. So let's say yeah. the other big one is the Roth, right? Let's say, you yes. know, like I'm putting like six grand, Drew's putting six grand every year. Let's say we're doing it for 10 years. We got 100K. Now, can we call up our uh, director of IRA and say, hey, I, I got 100K Roth. I want to move it over to you and create a self-directed IRA. I don't want to buy a house with it. Is that a thing? Absolutely. I mean, we're doing it every day, you know, probably doing 10 of those a day. Yeah. But you so, can't buy your own house though, right? Or, I mean, or you can't buy an investment in your name, right? Correct. So yeah. what you do is you have that Roth IRA already another institution. You open up a Roth IRA with us. You submit a transfer request. We go pull that money from your, wherever your Roth IRA is at now. Like we're a licensed audit regulated trust company, right? So we can help you with all this stuff and do it but then your money's here and then you decide how to invest it. So if you want to go buy a rental, go buy a rental. Uh, but the Roth IRA is awesome, right? Because it's totally tax free. You know, the Roth accounts when you're making money in it. And if you can turn that hundred thousand Roth IRA into a million dollar Roth IRA in the next 10 or 20 years, well, that whole million comes out totally tax free when you start pulling it out of retirement. So we, we just love the Roth accounts in particular, Roth IRAs or Roth 401ks because they come out totally tax free at retirement. Um, but to, to your question on um, what you can buy, you can't buy like your own home that you're going to reside in, or you, can, you can't buy like a property for like your parents or for your kids, right? This has to be an investment asset. And there's a rule called the prohibited transaction rule that says you can't go use your retirement account, your self-directed IRA or 401k, whatever it may be, and use that to go invest with yourself. Like they don't trust you to go, for example, use your Roth IRA and then go buy a property that you already own from yourself. Um, they don't trust you with your spouse, your parents, your kids. There's all these people on this list of, of what are called disqualified persons that your retirement account cannot transact with. It can go buy a piece of a property from some unrelated third party, even from your brother and sister. Cause you talked about like the loan, mm -hmm. you know, your IRA can lend your brother or sister, you know, the siblings, aunts, uncles, cousins, they're all okay. But there are certain people are restricted. What starts with you, your spouse, people in Utah, this is all your spouses, you know, your kids, mm -hmm. your parents, and you just cannot buy or sell assets, nor if you own real estate, can those people use the asset. That's called the prohibited transaction rule. There's like four chapters in my book on that and all the variations and cases on it. What's the, uh, what's the title of your book? The Self-Directed IRA Handbook. 
Boom. You know, if, you're, if there's video to this, you can see it on the video. There is. Oh yeah. There's uh, I had the book in the house. I have so many books. I, I tried to find it. I couldn't. He has like every real estate book. So sorry. You got buried okay. <laughs> somewhere in there. All right. All right. Well, mine's really good. Uh, it seriously <laughs> is. It's the number one book in the space. The national association, my industry uses it for training certification for employees. Wow. I'd say about half of my competitors in my industry buy my book in bulk to train their employees. The government accountability office, federal agencies use my book on two reports they've done on self-directed IRAs. State regulators that regulate companies in my industry use my book. So like it's like a resource. It's got over a hundred citations to cases and all the rulings and stuff. So nice. but it's also written for people. Like I didn't write it for lawyers and stuff. It's written for people to learn how to do this. Because when I started trying to figure this crap out in 2006, I was on the internet trying to it was 2006. I was going to like ask Jeeves and Yahoo, you know, <laughs> and I was trying to figure this out. And I mean, there's just a lot of bad information and there still is, you know, there's still tons of wrong, bad information online about this. And so I was like, I was just determined to write a book and like have all the answers to the hard questions of what you can and can't do. And it took me five years of representing clients and them paying for me to write memos and research the heck out of stuff to, to write the book. And so, um, and it's only like 20 bucks. I mean, you know, uh, not that I'm, I'm not trying to sell a book. I'm just saying like, if you're doing this, like this is the rule book. And I tell mm -hmm. clients when you're self-directing an IRA, sometimes people get a little overwhelmed, but it's just because you've never done it before, but you've never played a board game before either. It's like a board game. If you don't read the book or play with someone, you know, you're going to mess it up, but yep. there's a rule book. It's my book or just do it with someone, you know, it's actually done it before I played the game. Um, and once you've done it once or twice, it's the same rules on the next deal. It's the same on the next one. So, uh, but, so that's a huge resource for people that, you know, and I, I like to recommend that to like my doctor clients or engineers or pilots or people that like want the answer to freaking everything before they do something, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, get the book. It has all the answers. Um, if you're like the real estate investor, real estate professional, and you're like, Oh, just tell me what to do. And, I'll do it with someone that knows it. Cool. You can do that too. Wow. That's awesome. So how did you even get into the space? Like, what has your journey been like? I was like, I want to go deeper on you just as your, yeah, your, your success story. Like how did that all start? I was just like very interested in it when I had clients asking me if they could do it. And so once I kind of learned enough about it, I was like, this is really cool. There's so much money in retirement accounts. Um, and I realized this pretty fast as I was researching it. There was no one that was an authority in the space. There was no best-selling book. There's a few books out there on it, but they were terrible. They were just so surface level. And I kind of saw an in where I could like be the guy in a space in a particular area. So I just started researching it, trying to be the guy. And I'd go speak at every conference I could. I, I was doing realtor CE classes. I was Then I started training other lawyers and then just speaking a all across my industry, um, started representing half the industry and just really started becoming an expert. And I like nice. the subject just because I like people having more control of their money. I just, me personally, I'm just kind of like that. I just want to have control of my money. I don't want to be told that you can buy these 10 things over here with this 300 grand you've saved for 10 years in your 401k, all these blood, sweat and tears. This is the only thing you can do with it. Like, I just like this freedom that it can give people to invest in what they want. Yeah. So it just drew me. I was just drawn to it. And what is, what is it that, you know, Matt Sorensen invests in? Do you 
obviously you probably practice what you preach. I'm just kind of curious as to what you're doing. Oh yeah, for sure. On your side. Uh, crypto. <laughs> I, I bought crypto. I bought a lot of crypto actually. So um, in fact, there's a YouTube video, you can go find it. Just, you know, just like evidence from 2017. I was the first person I can ever find talking about how to buy crypto with an IRA. Wow. And I did it in 2017. Um, I used an LLC. It was actually my 401k that did it. My 401k owned LLC. And I bought Bitcoin. I bought five Bitcoin. And they were 2,500 bucks per Bitcoin at that time. Wow. You know? I know a lot of people are like, well, you know, Bitcoin was like way up here. I mean, to me, I'm still like 10x when I went in on this. Thing. Yeah. So, but the, I just had tons of clients asking me about it. And I was like, I don't even know what the hell they were talking about. And then I had a few clients like, no, you got to really learn this and know this. And it kept coming up and up and up. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to buy crypto. But actually what I did, this was interesting. So I already owned a rental property in my retirement account. I just bought a single family rental. That was the first asset I bought. And I took the cash flow from the rental to buy the crypto. <laughs> and then I, right now I'm, I'm still got quite a bit of crypto. Um, I'm doing private money lending. I'm, you know, I have a hundred plus employees. I'm growing, I have a fast growing business. That's like the best use of my individual time is growing that. Um, so with my investments, I need more passive stuff. So I just do secured lending on other people's deals, typically get 12% interest in two points. So you usually do uh, private lending and you don't actually own properties, Matt. That's you, you find that better for your scenario. So I sold all my properties in my retirement account last year. Okay. I went to cash and now I'm doing private money lending. Wow. Okay. Um, that's cool. I don't know. I just, it's a just, bank. Yeah. <laughs> I just, for, for me and you know, I was, I just decided I wanted to sell the properties and um, just market. It could have been a mistake. I don't know. Um, but I got out fine and I, I, well, I'll be honest. Okay. I'll tell you just it's a little deeper than my own personal stuff, but some of my largest accounts here, that's all they do is private money lending, you know? And I think we have some clients who hit it big and hit home runs. I have those, but that's not me. I knew for me as an investor, my time is spent running my business. I'm not going to have time to chase down the home run deals. Like they're out there, but you got to hunt for them. For me, I was like, I got big responsibilities every day. I'm trying to grow my businesses. I don't have time to hunt. So I'm going to go, where's my next best option? Base hits. That's what secured lending is. Which backed by real estate. I can lend at a much higher rate than I feel like I'll get in the market and like, you know, like stock market and 12% and two points. I mean, that's a 14% annual return a year. You can double your money in like, like four years on those types on that, those rates. And so, so I just have a lot of large accounts that have done that. And I remember, I remember this one client, he had about a $600,000 old employer 401k. He retired a little bit early in his fifties. Um, in his early fifties and he just rolled it to self-direct his accounts worth 10 million. Now he's only done private money lending, you know, and he's been doing it for 15 years, but that's all he's done. He's not hit home runs. He's just consistently hit base hits. Slow and steady wins the race. Uh, yeah. Exactly. That's very interesting. Yeah. Base hits win games, you know, it's like mm -hmm. money ball, the whole scene of money ball, you know, mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you can't afford home run hitters. And like, and I think so many people, when they think of investing, they're just looking for the home run. No, it's just base hits, base hits. And over time, your money's working for you. Um, your money grows, keep it in the game. 
Um, and that's why, for me, why it works for private money lending. I've got the right sources and people that can get me the deals. It's easy for me to get out of. It's easy for me always to be invested. Because that's another mistake I see people make is they'll invest and then they wait for two years to do their next deal. Well, you're on the sidelines, you know, or they're like, oh, I got to time the market. Maybe, you know, maybe you'll get it right. But for me, I just, I try to just stay invested, stay in stuff I like, hit base hits, be consistent. And anyways, that's what I'm trying to do. And it's working. Do you charge, uh, do you, do you do second position liens or first position? So I'm lucky enough to get in first. I would consider second if it was fully secured. Yeah. But right now I get enough deal flow that I can get in first. So now, you sometimes do? I'm on the note with other people. Yeah. You know, we're like, you know, I might be 50% of the note because I don't have all the money to fund the whole thing. Sure. Um, so sometimes there's other people on the note, just depending on whether notes I have paying off and other cash available. And like to like what LTVs do you lend and who underwrites the deal to make sure that it's not like a smoke show or something, you know? So I look at the deal, but I have a, just a really good real estate client of mine that throws okay. on deals with them and he underwrites them and he's super successful and he's just a good friend. So he hooks me up. Yeah, man, that's cool. And you can't get any, uh, so does he flip the properties or does he keep them um, long-term? They're not even his. He just sources the money because that's what he is. He's a private money lender himself. So Oh, I see. Also, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not lending to him. He yeah, just throws yeah. me in on deals he's doing. I see. So you guys yeah. are... So for people who are not, you know, who didn't catch that. So you're like a non-QM lender. You, you're like, you don't have to follow any Freddie guidelines. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, you're like, lending to other investors, yeah. mm -hmm. builders, contractors, you know. Yeah. You don't care what the federal funds rate is or what the 30 year treasury note is. You do whatever you want, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool, man. Yeah. 12, 12%, 14% a year. That's good. But, you know, we like to, you know, we always tell people, you know, get in on the back end, get some equity, get some long-term growth because you can keep renegotiating the deal by raising rents, keeping the same mortgage and all that stuff. But that's, that's, you know, for mm -hmm. someone on your level, you don't have the time you're running a yeah. you know, hundred, hundred employee business. You don't have time to freaking go and chase rents and stuff. Yeah. And I've done that too. I mean, I've owned rentals in my retirement account. I own a bunch of them outside my retirement account too. Like I believe in like rental real estate and having equity in the property and it's done very well on that. So just right now with my retirement, I'm just not, I might go back. Like if I get the right deals and I like, I feel like there's the right components in the market, I'd go back to that. So yeah, in fact, the, the, one of the properties, you know, I, I had a 250% return on it, you know, in four years. And plus I, that's just like, that was just the gain. That was not even the cash flow. And so I, there's definitely a lot of opportunity. I'm definitely a proponent of, you know, buy and hold um, rentals, but I'll even say this. Even though I had a property manager, there was a little more work on that than even private money lending. Private money lending is just paperwork, you know. I'm a lawyer; I can handle that, you know, tenants and stuff, and managing property managers when you got a lot of properties. But that's still a little bit of work. It's not as passive. Yeah, but I do agree. There's tons of opportunity for that, and I own lots of other rentals, commercial, single family, outside of my retirement, so short term, long term. Yeah, that's awesome. I wanted to take the conversation slightly different angle is, you know, so, you know, we, we've been looking at businesses and stuff and Drew owns a business. He has a music school. So, you know, that's one of the way of, you know, coming up in, in the U S is by owning businesses. So you, you, you can control your means. Yeah. Right. So I wanted to ask you, so, um, you know, you've, you knew your skill was in, you know, like it's, uh, I don't know if you know who Cody Sanchez is, she talks about having a, yeah, everybody knows it, right? She yeah. talks about an unfair advantage, right? So your unfair advantage is you know all about retirement accounts. So you went and started a company. 
So like, how did, how did that, you know, knowledge of just, you know, knowing retirement accounts is like, okay, great. You know that you can write a book. This as you know, nothing about running a company. So how did you go from that to have hundred employees meeting Mark and all that stuff? Have you thought about investing in real estate and taking advantage of all of those benefits without any of the work? That is something that on the invest not only provides, but has been providing since its inception. With friends and family, we have built an empire in a system of a wealth generating tool that is giving us and our friends and family that leverage in their life to create true wealth. Go to onbeinvest.com for more to see if you qualify. And thanks for listening. So, I mean, we had our law firm first, you know, yeah. Mark, Mark was just like a solo practitioner when we met, he had a few employees. Um, I was the first lawyer he hired. And then within two years, we became 50, 50 partners in the firm and just started growing it. So mm -hmm. I kind of learned how to be a business owner for my law firm first, yeah. um, which is nice because, you know, you got to learn how to manage people, how to hire, how to set up process and structure. But I was also perfecting my niche in my industry and learning you know, about self-directed IRAs and everything. So, but I did a number of things. I mean, Mark and I started a title company together. We shut it down to, you know, a year and a half later. It wasn't a, a failure, but I was, I could make more money in my law firm and it took just the same amount of time. So I was like the amount of time resources I need to put in this, what it would take to scale it. I was just like, eh, I don't know that I'd love that business model for me. And so um, I was like, I just kind of put more time into growing our law firm with Mark. So, but I, I mean, I even went to law school knowing that I just, I didn't come from like a super wealthy family. I came from like, you know, upper middle-class family. I'd say at least middle-class when I was a kid. And then my parents have, you know, done well. They're kind of like the millionaire next door type. So I didn't have like a lot of significant connections to go just start a business. So my strategy was go be a lawyer and you're going to meet people and find opportunities. Like that's going to get me in the game. I'm going to have clients. And I, and honestly, like it, uh, it's what happened. Like I just, I kind of like met the people I kind of learned from a lot of my clients, learned and growing our, our small law firm into a, a kind of a mid-sized firm. And then I just kind of went for it when I saw the opportunity with self-directed IRAs. I love that area. I got to know the companies in the industry. I was representing them as legal counsel. I, I understood their business model and how they made money. And um, I was like, I can do this. And then I, I was known in the field as an expert. So it was kind of like the perfect thing for me on, on where to go. Uh, but it's hard. I mean, I've learned a ton since starting directed IRA and scaling a business. You know, I mean, we've, you know, we're going to be, you know, we're getting some recognition, let me just say for our growth, um, which has been uh, super satisfying, um, but I've learned a ton in like how to grow and scale a business. So do you recommend, so, you know, most of the listeners for us are like aspiring real estate investors or small real estate investors who have a W2 job. So do you yeah. recommend everyone to kind of start some kind of side gig, side hustle thing, have a business yeah. so you can get some tax write-offs or reduce some active income, you know? I recommend it for most people, not necessarily everyone. What I've learned is some people are better as employees and want to be employees. I, in my experience, have found that the vast majority should just stay employees, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I want everyone to have brutal. opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> brutal. No, I say that not to make this about me, but just a quick like anecdote. Yeah. As somebody who has like come from just not much uh, affluence and I've, I've kind of created something. Yeah. So for me, I'm so passionate about it and I want that for everybody. 
And so I used mm-hmm. to just give out, yeah, I'd be like, Hey, let me help you out. And, and very few people, when it comes, you know, push comes to shove, the work needs to be done. They're just like, they're either scared or lazy or don't actually want it as bad as they say they did. So, and then there's also just a, Hey, you know what? You're going to get knocked down. And when you're starting your own business, you're just going to be learning curves. It's just, it's inevitable. It's part of it. You're going to be putting out fires, dealing with people, learning skill sets you never thought you'd ever need. And especially skill sets that there's just no school that teaches you how to hire. No one teaches you that. So, uh, but yeah, moving on from that, I would say for the majority of people, if you like your job, if you're into it a little bit and it's a good income or at least good, you know, growth uh, potential, stay there. Um, and maybe partner with somebody else who's doing something with their business, with their real estate or whatever it is and build that Roth, build the, uh, you know, the 401k and then be smart with it and team up with someone like yourself. You know, that'd be my advice. Yeah. I think I agree with a lot of that. I think, um, starting your own business is tough, you know, and and especially growing it and scaling it. Like there's a lot of people you can get a business and get like, you know, five employees, 10 employees. And it's, that's easier to manage, you know, I could like a business of that size and you kind of work it in every day and you're the guy or the girl. And like, you just run the thing and it's out a small team and but like a fast growing scaling business, hundred plus employees, you know, that's a different animal. You know, there's people, you don't know their names, you know, you've got to hire quick. Like there's just so much that you have to do. And so, and some people just, it's, they're just not cut out for it. And, and I don't think, I don't know that they can make it happen, you know? So, but I've, I've learned this too. I think even, even my wife, I mean, you know, she's a corporate executive, super successful, very well compensated. Uh, she's doesn't want to own a business. Like, I mean, she's just as smart as me, just as capable as me, but she just doesn't, that's just not a, her ambition just isn't there. Yep. Even some of my leadership team at, at my companies, you know, they don't want to own a business, but they're very smart, very capable, great with people, great leaders. And so it, so there's, there's some differences there. And I think everybody does like, everybody should own a business. Eh, I don't know. I think it depends on your temperament and there's so many love. Really. I mean, yeah. it's one of those things where I've had some very high quality uh, staff members that like I could see the potential in them. Like they could have their own, you know, their own yes. spot and they want, yes. most of them want nothing to do with it. They're like, I get to yeah. clock out. <laughs> yeah, I don't, you know, you know? It, it's interesting is some people that could be good at it, select out and don't want it. Like you're thinking, yeah. you like you're saying, but there's also a lot of people that select into it that don't have what it takes. Yeah. And, and there's probably more of those. And cause I've just seen it as a, being a business lawyer, you know, and just with my clients over the years and, and they do, they just, they give up too early. Yeah. They, they have a dream. They think owning a business gives you freedom. Right. <laughs> doesn't. No, you, you're on call all the time. Yeah. Okay. Like, yep. and there's it's no your baby. one left to complain to. Like, yep. who do you complain to at the end of the day? Like you don't yeah. have a boss. You don't have like, it's all on you. And, and, so, and that's, and that's why I think it's a temperament thing. Because yeah. if, if you're okay with that, if you know the expectations and you're fine with that and you're willing to push and, and that'll give you, like, I have a, a lot of freedom to travel and do things. And yeah, I, I do love that. I have that. The freedom thing is big for me. So I'm willing yeah. to work my face off and roll up my sleeves if the issue gets to a level where I've got to just kind of like hit yeah. something for 12 hours. Yeah. Uh, which is rare, but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's worth it to me. And I've gone through the gauntlet enough times to have realized that. Yeah. And also I just don't think I have the temperament to 
uh, to follow, I find most leaders are inept or just, um, they let it go to their head. So they're hard to deal with. And mm. there's just very few great bosses, very few great leaders in my experience personally. And so I'm like, eh, I'll just do it. I'll yeah. try to be like the good and boss. That's, that's why there's a ton of small business owners and, and businesses that get stuck at 10 employees and a million in revenue. Why is that? It, is they just don't have a great leader. Yeah. And they, they get a small business owner that gets little success and they have this little complex and they can't grow. Yep. They, they're not willing to go hire someone smarter than them. What are some of the more common mistakes that you've seen maybe with your past clientele without naming names? What are some of those big pitfalls that? I think, I think the, the, if someone has a business that can scale and freaking any business could scale, I don't care if you're a plumber or you got the coolest tech company, like any business could scale, but you have to be able to build the team to make it happen. Um, And this has been my own biggest lesson, actually, just a client is like, you have to go get the people that have what you don't have and also that are going to help build what you can't do by yourself. Like Steve Jobs did not make computers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, he had people like he hired the technical expertise, and but he was the visionary and the leader. And that's how you scale a business. And so you got to go get the right people. So, and every successful smart person I know that's, that's really scaled and grown a significant business they will tell you the exact same thing. They will start with that. It's the people, but yep. a lot of small business owners that are making a million bucks a year, you know, they got a team of 10 or so. They just think like they know it all. They can't hire someone at a high pay. Mm-hmm. They just get stuck and it's, yep. and they're making great money, right. you know, but they're, and they, and they've got to, t- they, honestly, to hire someone, it costs money. And yeah. so you got to take a pay cut or we won't right. have to take, you know, give them some equity or something. To, to make it happen. And so if you don't, you'll never get over that hump in, in my experience. And so right. what, what's been for me is like, we've just hired a player people. Like I've just gotten like great people. Um, and that's what's helped grow and scale the business quickly. How do you, this is very nuanced, I know, but how do you make that decision on then therefore how to compensate those high value people? That's like, Um, that's like the big, like, you know, there's always the bottom line and it's like, you're betting on this person. How do you balance? So you, you have to first realize this is an investment. Mm. So, and if you're going to make the investment, make sure you're putting it into someone that's going to pay you back. But I'm telling you like a player people will, they will make you money. At first they cost you money because they're expensive, but if you get the right people, they will make you money. They'll make your life easier. Right. Um, they can make you as the business owner to go out and do these things that can actually grow the business instead of freaking running the business every day. And so I see it as a, you have to view it as an investment, but you have to be really good at recruiting. Like my main part of my main job now is recruiter. Like today I sent an offer letter in one of our separate businesses. I haven't even mentioned today for a senior position in that business. Yesterday I was prospecting a new person at an executive level in one of our companies. Like I spent a lot of time like recruiting, trying to get the people and, and I even looked at just, it, I'll just give an example for directed is someone took a picture at our last, um, is it our alternative asset summit? We have an alt asset summit that we did in Costa Mesa and I was speaking and I had some of my team there and there's about eight of them. And these are directors or above that were in the picture. They, they have a director position or above that were in the picture. Seven of those people I recruited, only one of them applied for an actual job. Wow. And I was, I, I was like, that was my friend from this. This was a guy from the industry I recruited. This person 
I got through another senior level person in my company. Like I could go through the whole list of people and there's only one at a direct level above in that picture that actually applied for an open position. So it was about like working your network, recruiting, yeah. you know, like it's just, I don't know. Also, I mean, let's not, you know, forget that you've built a brand, like you built like a trustworthy integrity, like niche leader in the industry. I mean, having that book, of course, has probably been a big help as well. So that's, yes, I think that's super important as well as building that brand. Yeah. yeah. Uh, on, on, on that, I have, I want, I had some questions on that because, you know, let's be honest. The only reason I know about you and Mark is because of YouTube, right? Social media yeah. stuff. So can you give us uh, some kind of numbers, like how much, like, you know, you guys were doing in business, you know, you had like five employees, 10 employees, a million dollars. And now you kind of become like a, I mean, everybody knows who Mark and you are. Like literally I was talking to Kathy yeah. Fedke the other day. I was like, oh, you know, Mark is my lawyer. She's like, oh, of course. Yeah. He's everybody's lawyer. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. everybody knows, um, you know, you yeah. guys. So can you tell us like, oh, you, you didn't, you had a YouTube account. You had 10 subscribers. Your business was doing this much. Now you got, you yeah. know, probably millions of hits and stuff. Right. So can you give us that timeline? Yeah. I mean, we get business from a lot of different ways. Um, yeah. And Mark has been bigger on the kind of social media front. I'm working mine a little bit more now. But our the first thing we really did well that was smart was a podcast. Mm -hmm. And so, so at one point, Mark had just like a local AM radio show. I mean, this is like 20 years ago, right? <laughs> and then I was kind of like the guest every freaking time because it was easier to just like have me on. And he'd sometimes have a guest. And then, but then I was like the guest and we just had good banter. And then we, it turned into the Refresher Wealth show. So, but that was an actual radio show. So we were syndicated into like 50 different markets on the radio. And this is probably like 2009 or 10 or something like that. Or maybe it's a little later. Yeah. Maybe like 2009 or 10. And I remember, we remember because the, the, the studio that would record our show was like, do you want the electronic file? A lot of our shows are uploading this as a podcast. And we're like, what the hell is that? Like, I think I'd heard of the word, but I never, I didn't listen to podcasts at the time. And so we started just, we started uploading the podcast. And then what happened is people started calling our office and they'd be like, Hey, we listen to the podcast. And our team was like, what is the podcast? You know? <laughs> and so we realized, Oh my gosh, the podcast is so much more powerful than the actual radio show because the radio show, we were just playing at three o'clock on Saturdays in 50 random markets that no one tuned in for it. It was just on, you know? And, and maybe we did have some clients who would call and be like, I've heard there were guys on your radio show talking, but like the podcast like hit. And so we realized, okay, we got to double down on this and be consistent. We ended up just canceling the radio show stuff because no one called and said, I heard you on the radio and we just pushed the podcast really hard. And so, and that was a lot of content. Like the podcast was always going Mark's YouTube. Um, he's put out a lot of other content, but, but then that just the app itself, the YouTube community, you know, that's the stuff that we built that kind of helped give us brand recognition and, and feed clients in. But the other things is as we've grown, we've just made relationships, you know? So there's, we have a lot of relationships with just people in our industry that are centers of influence that send us work and clients. Like the majority of the accounts at directed IRA actually don't come from someone hearing us on our podcast or YouTube or anywhere else. They come from a, a set, what we consider a center of influence. Someone refers them to us. And which is a great way to grow a business. And I think 
um, I'm all in for you know, social media, podcast, YouTube. We're doing that. We're going to keep doing that. We're staying on that. We're going to do it better and more and more of it. Um, but I really think there's a, a highly valuable way to grow any business, which is figure out the centers of influence in whatever it is you do, you know, um, and then go to those centers of influence as the resource, like let's say directed IRA. If someone's raising money for deals, they're going to run into people that have IRAs and they want to unlock those IRAs. They need a company that can handle the account. That's what we do. It's like, I chase those people all day long because I know they're going to call me next week. And then a week after with someone that needs an account. If I got a hundred centers of influence, those are like evergreen referrals of accounts. Right? So, so we've been able to build a lot of that. And that's where the majority of our business actually comes from is relationships. Everything is relationships and people. Yeah. The older I get, the more I realize that's just the, on yeah. everything. Who you choose yeah. as a spouse, partner, who you choose oh, as clients, of course, your staff and yeah, everything. and your tenants. That's <laughs> something uh, that yeah, exactly. you already know. I mean, that can make or break the whole portfolio. You yeah, know, and I had think a squatter it, issue for five years uh, and running. You know, oh actually, gosh. we don't have any squatters right now. Knock on wood. Um, yeah. <laughs> not the same, not the same squatter to be clear, but always, okay. <laughs> I would have murdered them if it was fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, I think, um, you know, I, I was on someone else's podcast and they brought up relationship capital and I thought that was really important because that's something mm. I didn't really think of, but it has been valuable and helpful to me is, is having built up relationship capital, you know, yeah, people, huge. you know, you work with and being able to draw on that when you need it, whether it's recruiting yeah. and hiring talent, getting clients or customers, solving an issue in your business, like yeah. the people, you know, and that you've developed relationships with like on a real level, you know, I'm not talking like a friend on your Facebook account, like that's sure. not a relationship, but like real people, you know, you can meet them at events, you can meet them in your industry. You can just be active and engaged, and like have real conversations with people. Those can be letter people that can help you with your, whatever issues you have in your business, what you're trying to grow your investments. I mean, that's what I've done. Like you were asking about like, where am I? All right. It's just a guy I know that opened accounts here and did really well. And I talked to him and he liked getting my advice. And I'm like, will you put me on deals with you? He's like, sure. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's something that that's crazy. I want to make sure that we don't overlook in terms, I like to always like bring out like the teachable moments as a teacher myself, I can't help it, but you're getting value. You know, that's the whole thing. That's how you're building that social capital is you just look for ways. How can I give you value? And that's something in our mm -hmm. free meetups that we always like to say, Hey, you guys are all in this room. There's like 30 of us here. We all have kind of like minds. We all want to grow. We all want to invest. Don't look around and see how can I take, look around and see how can I give this person value and it will come back. You know, that's yeah. the point. So totally. And yeah. all those things that I was doing, you know, where I pulled on relationship capital, I wasn't, I wasn't even intentionally trying to get something later on. Right. You know, I was right. doing what I did and giving the value that I had. And frankly, sometimes I was getting paid for it, you know, sure. I did a good job at it. And I was right. like, and, and they recognized that value and, and gained some trust. And then, it allowed me to, to draw on it. And, and, but then they want to help. That's the other thing is like, mm -hmm. there are people that have opportunity and that have things and, and they're looking for the right people they can trust and they want to help the people that are helping them. Of course. Yeah, man, that sounds, that sounds awesome. Um, something that I learned recently was, you know, when we first started, we were always like, you know, like how Drew was saying, like, you know, oh, I don't know how to raise more money, raise capital, you know, by the next year. 
then I realized, you know, I don't really care. So I just started telling people like, yeah, you're a terrible fit for me to, you know, give your money to me. I think you should just go do your own deal, do this and that. And that actually generated more relationships. And like, honestly, like they were like, oh, this guy doesn't really care. Like, he's just like, yeah, yeah do this instead. I don't care. So then, you know, start more people started coming to our meetups, actually giving us money and stuff because we were just like, yeah, that you're a terrible fit. Do you guys do that too with your industry? I feel like you guys do that a lot by giving like real good advice online. Yeah. I mean, we don't ever tell anyone to invest in, but I will tell mm -hmm. people when they come here, you know, it's like, you're not ready. Like people are, I want to self-direct or, you know, even in our law firm and our practice advising clients, I mean, like we're a little, we're straightforward, you know, yeah. I mean, we'll have a client that's like, all right, I want to max out my retirement accounts. I want to go buy a hundred properties. I want to, I'm going to just start the next, you know, amazing business. And I, we love their excitement. And I'm like, okay, well, how's your debt? Are you in debt? You like, we'll do that. Like you yeah. get out of debt, man. Like, uh, but like, where are you really at? And give them some like honest advice and then like channel them into what, because a lot of times as business and tax lawyers in our law firm is they don't have any consultants or anyone else in their life. Like, but we've just like, I've done the 10,000 consults with small business owners. Like I know what people should focus on and whatnot. And, um, but we try to straight shoot straight. And, and quite honestly, I, a lot of people come to me and say, I want 20 LLCs and I need this. And I went to this event and they said, I need an LLC for everything. We're like, no, you don't need one. You know, mm -hmm. you're brand new. You're just starting. <laughs> don't overkill it. I can sell you 20, but I'm not going to. Uh, and so we try to be very direct with our clients and give them the honest advice they need. And that's how you stay in business and have a good reputation over the long haul. You know, yeah. do what's right for your client, yep. your customer. Oh, it's do the right thing. With. Yeah, that's how, that's how I, I actually found you guys. There's, you know, there's another company very famous like you guys. Yeah, I'm not going to name names, but everybody knows who it is. But, you know, they're all about like unlimited LLCs, $20,000. And yeah. I'm like, dude, you work at Walmart. Like, what do you mean? Like, unlimited LLCs? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, are, you, are you Donald Trump? Okay. You know, yeah. all right. Maybe unlimited LLCs is a good deal for 20 grand. But Yeah, that's true. But I was just talking to Lee last week too. He's like, I'm like, dude, I need to hide from everything. Lee's like, do you really? I'm like, yeah. You know, I'm like, you know, he's signing as organizer, resigning. I'm coming back yeah. in the end. You know, I need all that stuff because I'm a little crazy. But, uh, yeah. but uh, you know, but service for everyone, you know, I really liked um, what you guys do, man. And thank you for doing what you do for the community. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. yeah, our pleasure. Yeah, I'm going to uh, pick up, uh, if you can find your book somewhere in this massive bookshelf, yeah. I'm going to yeah. try to leave with it, so. Yeah. Take it out of there. You know, any, any, uh, any <laughs> last words of, uh, wisdom, man, like for people who are like, you know, trying to get into the game and stuff. Yeah. This would probably be my number one tip. And this is for people in real estate and business too, is this is again, this is the 10,000 consoles where this is coming from. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I don't want anybody offended by it. <laughs> There's two different types of people I run into. There's the person that runs in, they get a little excited and they go running off. They, they're buying properties. They're starting a business. They're just going a million miles an hour. They haven't researched anything. They don't look into stuff. They just go. And you know what? Some of those people are actually successful. Some of them also crash and burn. But then on the other hand, you got people who analyze the heck out of everything, who have read every book, who've been in every presentation, who keep coming to conferences, who keep paying for more stuff and never do anything. Cause they, yeah, but they're going to get their LLC, happen. bro. They're working on their LLC. They have unlimited exactly. LLCs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I got 20 LLCs with nothing in them. All right. <laughs> and so, and there, and I know that there's the personalities out there. The people that have had the most success are the ones in the middle. 
Okay. They will go after stuff, but they will spend enough time to research it and figure it out. Now I have clients that are this over here on this side that go a million miles an hour. But if you know who you are and you know, you're over here, someone that goes a million miles an hour, know that, know you need to slow down a little bit. Know you need to research stuff, maybe get a partner that, that helps compliment you or get people in your life, professionals, friends, spouse, I don't care that helps you with that. And is kind of your governor, so to speak, to keep you out of problems. On the other hand, if you're over here and you can't freaking get off home base, you can't make a, you can't get anywhere. Like same thing, get a little courage to go get some people in your life or something. They're going to help you get over that and get to, to where you want to be. And I think that's like super valuable is just knowing like who you are as a person and being honest with yourself. Like, and if you got to get feedback from other people, go and get it, but like learn where you are on that spectrum because both sides of those don't work. You've got to have a little bit of balance of that to have real success in real estate or in business. And those are the people that really crush it or the ones that get that balance, but figure out what you got to compensate to make it happen. So you can go crush it. That is epic advice. I love that, man. What a nice little yeah. button on it. Best yeah. advice of 2023 so far. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah. yeah, yeah thank you, man. That's, and as an entrepreneur myself, still like, you know, growing and learning, that's like dead on. And that is something that right. Um, I 100% agree with. I think I tend to lean more towards the let's go, guns blazing. Yeah. And I'll back, we go. And then, and then whenever I mess up, I'll like roll up the sleeves and just like be cranky for a couple of weeks and fix the issue. And now I now I know everything about that issue. I know the system or whatever it is. So. Exactly. Yeah. That's, you know, yeah. And I, I, yeah. And I got to give my advice um, sometimes. I got to give it my own, uh, myself that own, my own advice sometimes. And I'll be honest. I am kind of in the middle, but sometimes I'm a little off one way or the other. Sure. Um, and so it's, uh, it's good for me to check it. And like, am I, am I analyzing the hell of this too much? Am I just like, what the hell? Or, or I'm sometimes trying to pull myself back from just like going for it too much. And, yeah. um, you just have some honesty with yourself and that self-awareness is so key. And I think that's part of the reason why most success stories or self-made millionaires or whatever, don't really start making that until they're in their forties, mm -hmm. you know, because they, they've just got to have that. There's a, I think there's a certain level of self-awareness that you have to have and yeah. self-development. I actually just reposted something on my story today that I was, it really resonated with me. And he said, I was some other podcast, I think and he's uh -huh. like, you know, you're, you're only going to rise to the level of what you have developed yourself and no further. Like it starts here, you know, you have to develop yourself and yeah. then the outside follows. And I was like, that is a thousand percent in my journey, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm only as good as what I know and what I'm able to apply from reading, learning, developing, and just having those moments of like failure and reflection, you know? Yeah. It's that life experience. That's what yeah. it is. It's that yeah. little bit of life experience, learning from others, learning from yourself. Yeah. Um, that that is like so valuable and some people are better at it some people hit it faster than others some people are late bloomers you know <laughs> yeah. well well thank you matt um i know we want to respect your time it's been uh, about an hour uh vince do you want to add anything no uh thank thanks for your time man hey if uh, yeah. people want to get back to you or get in touch with you how should yeah. they do that so you can always find me on a social at, at matt sorensen that's with one t m-a-t-s-r-e-n-s-e-n uh, that's also my url you can find me at uh mouseronson.com. And then um, our companies, KQS Lawyers, our law firm, Directed IRAs, our IRA business and trust company, and 
We're happy to help anybody, whether it's taking control of your retirement account, strategic business and tax planning. Love to be of service to you. And thanks to you guys, Andrew and Vince, for having me on today. Thanks, man. Appreciate your time. Thank yeah, you. Man. Let's stay cool in Phoenix. <laughs> Thank, thanks, dude. That was, that was really good. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, guys. I don't know about you, but I definitely like to see five-star reviews on any service or any product before I purchase. Please take a second to leave us a five-star review, whether you're listening to it on Apple, iTunes, or Spotify, or whatever platform. Take a second. It goes a long way. Helps us a lot to grow the channel. And thanks for listening.